is the standard and to my right we have guest host the deputy no longer the deputy actually the head <laughs> honcho the sheriff the oracle dave schofield who'll be joining me today welcome to the program dave Lance, I think this is maybe our second show ever, just the two of us. I, I don't know. Maybe. I know we've done a lot of shows. Uh, we did a bunch of draft shows. Yeah. I think I maybe hopped on. and But, yeah, I think this is one of the few rare occasions where it's just been me and you. And if and remissfully, if I didn't say that you're tuning into The Standard is the Standard, you are tuning into The Standard is the Standard. And before we jump into the program, I also want to give a big shout out to Brian Anthony Davis, to Tony Defio, to Big Bro Sco, to everybody who contributes on the podcast side, as well as everybody who writes articles. Also want to give a big shout out to all of you who waited patiently in the live chat. And you know, we're teasing you guys. I mean, we're <laughs> teasing you guys in the live chat. We want to get you, you know, we want to let the live chat kind of fill up. You know, it's sort of with the same thought of, you know, you don't want to start a concert with five people in the stands. You know, you just kind of want to make, you know, let people get a little antsy, build some anticipation, get your snacks, your beer. So you're ready when the show. So as soon as we peek out from you know, from the curtain, we look out and we see some more people. So I want to thank you guys for being patient and staying in the waiting room and waiting for us to come on. And big up to you also, Erica J. That is a new name on the live chat. And so another way you can help us with the program, hit the super chat feature. If you'd so care to do that'll get your question to the top of the queue and please hit the like button. And right now we are about 250 subscribers on the YouTube side for six from 6,000. I have a birthday coming up on June 18th. Please give me a great birthday present. <laughs> by being the 251st person so we can get to 6k that'll be quite an accomplishment and it all is from you and we want to thank you guys and i want to thank everybody who contributes on the btsc side and the podcast side we bring the show for you and thank you for coming so the title of this particular program and i will admit this is a sugar-free cool whip show and you guys might be asking what is a sugar-free cool whip show that's a low calorie guilty pleasure show right now i think we can all agree it's not a lot of content out there <laughs> it's not a lot of content out there it's june we're in a pandemic we have social unrest all over the country not a lot of topics there's not a lot of talk to talk about on the nfl side so when we find ourselves in situations like this we come up with sugar-free cool whip shows Meaning, low-calorie, guilty pleasure. And the title of this particular program, but I had a couple of questions for Dave before we jump into it, because there is a little bit of NFL news, is who is the best drafted Steeler player of all time? Now, I asked a few people. I put it on Twitter. This is a tough question because, of course, when you win six championships, you draft quality players. I mean, you're talking about a 1974 draft where they drafted four Hall of Famers in five rounds, which is unquestionably the best draft class in history. But I want to break it down and get you guys' opinion as to who is the best all-time draft pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But before that, there was some news. 
the NFL is looking to shorten the preseason. What's your thoughts on that? And, and what, should, what do you think the impact would be for rookies and or for teams across the National Football League? Well, it's Lance, this is a tough one because just the way the whole offseason has been so far is already going to be impacting the rookies this fall, let alone the, the work time. It, the problem is if they're going to shorten the preseason, well, first of all, I'm assuming that means that the Hall of Fame game would have to go because if they're going to shorten, I mean, unless they're going to stretch out the preseason and into, you know, would do two games in four weeks, I don't see how they're going to pull off a game on August 6th and then say we're not going to start the preseason for, for two more weeks after that. Or maybe they bump it back two weeks. Um, and then they still have the Steelers doing three preseason, preseason games. I don't know how they do that. But honestly, I have a whole – I have a question I'm going to ask back to you about this when we're done talking about it. I'm okay with the two preseason games because I'd rather them take the time to figure it out and get it done right for playing football – in stadiums, whether it be in front of no fans or a couple fans, and get the procedures right that they know that they're going to do. If it takes longer to get that done where they don't have as many games to do it, I'm okay with that if that's what it takes to get to the regular season. I think it is going to hurt the development of some of these younger guys, but with the Steelers, one of those teams coming in with no first-round draft pick and no one that they're asking to step right in right away and be a massive contributor – it could actually maybe help them a little bit more compared to – well, not help them, not hurt them as much as other teams, if you know what I mean. Um, but my question back to you, Lance, is this whole notion of going to only two preseason games um, kind of the, almost the NFL doing a little test run that they might – because they're wanting to reduce the preseason games in the future when they add more regular season games? I think that is something that – I well, you know, nothing is done in the NFL – happenstance at a happenstance right if you reduce the preseason i think you're absolutely right on that point it'll be as a way to figure out how to reduce it to add more games Mm -hmm. and i think they'll couch it with the fact that if we reduce the preseason games we're reducing the number of end games overall which reduces the number of opportunities that you can get hurt playing football and why would you get hurt in a meaningless preseason game that'll be how they sell it so i i love that point but I thought you brought up a great point. I think they're going to use the preseason as a testing ground to figure out how they're going to manage COVID-19 if they decide to have fans back in the stands. Yeah. So someone is going to be the sacrificial lamb, so to speak, for bad football, for the management of or coming up with the safety protocol around having fans in the stands. Now, me personally, preseason football is terrible. Now, when you add a a pandemic into preseason football, then that's absolutely unwatchable and undoable. But I think you are correct when you assert that they're going to use the preseason as a possible testing ground for figuring out a safety protocol. And with that being said, the other thing, and I think it's a great segue and to the other question I was going to ask you is, from all intents and purposes, from everything I've read today, the Hall of Fame game is moving forward. Yeah. And they're going to have it, and they anticipate having fans and doing everything that they normally do 
at the Hall of Fame game and with the Hall of Fame proceedings. And they're they're operating as if there is no pandemic and everything is going to go and move as it did in the past. What's your thought about that? I thought that was kind of interesting that in a game in which none of those proceeds, if I correct me if I'm wrong, go towards the league or players. I, I couldn't tell you that. I don't think it's an official mm-hmm. game when it comes to revenue. Mm-hmm. It just seems weird that you would take that chance for a mean a game that's all for tents and purposes meaningless. Well, it, it's interesting, Lance, because different places in the country are different are different phases. I know you're in a in a in a place that's just been really hit hard with everything with COVID, and it's and tough for anything. And to we've open opened up. up everything. Oh, really? Almost everything is open now, so really? now it's like floodgates, right? Well, it's it's yeah. It's well, here it. here in Maryland, they've they just announced today that they're going to, you know, we have outdoor seating for restaurants right now, but they're going to move to some, some limited indoor seating for restaurants um, starting Friday evening. And the next week they're going to open up um, malls, gyms, arcades, things like that. So it's going to be interesting to see. We're either going to see that, well, maybe we need to pull stuff back. We might be going a little bit too far, a little bit too fast, or they might say, Hey, you know what? We've really, crossed over um and we can get uh, we can get moving with all that what what i think is interesting with all this no hall of fame game aside well if they they cut two preseason games i think that would give the hall of fame the option of moving everything back two weeks which could be beneficial and still having it um yes so but but and just to say, well, since the NFL shortened it, we want we don't want teams to play two weeks before they have another game. But if you're talking about it being August 6th, and then you're talking about two more weeks on that, so you're talking it would be August 20th, that kind of also gives you to, uh, an idea of how are things working, a little bit more idea of how things work with the NHL, with their plan coming back. How, how's things going with Major League Baseball? What's going on with the NBA? You know, they're going to get, they could get more data by going, by cutting two preseason games and have a little bit more data from those other professional sports and kind of let them see what's going on in order for them to make it better for the NFL. Just, just something that I thought there. I mean, just from all that we've said, and thank you to Sean Manahan who gave yeah, a $2 I'm, super was- chat. I was going to bring those up. First, we had Dave Dave Shipley put two dollars in the in the tip jar. Uh, no comment there, but just two dollars to the show. And then here, here's the one from from uh, from from Sean. Right? Is that the other one? Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. You you can address that. When it comes to the forty six to fifty three, it it's I have a hard time answering these questions because I find that I'm making assumptions around who those people are. Mm-hmm. And because I can't really identify who those people are, I don't know if the preseason hurts them or not. So I'll answer it in general. The more snaps you have to play, the more opportunity, as a coach would say, you can show your wares, the better. You know, it can't hurt you in a preseason game, whether it's the Hall of Fame game or not, or if you play five games to where you put quality film on the field. So and so it'll help you whether that means you're going to play for the Steelers or you're going to play for someone else. Quality snaps are quality snaps. The more you put on tape and if you can show you can ball, you're going to play ball for somebody. So cutting games 
will hurt people on the bottom half of the roster. I just don't know how much it impacts particular players because I don't know who those players are. I think I'm going to say probably at most 10 guys per team, meaning the last five on the 53 and the first five off the 53. Yeah. Um, and, and, and some teams that might only be two one way, you know, each way that they're worried about. But I, I don't know that it's really much more than five. When, when you, I mean, look at the Steelers. Do you really think that there's more than, I mean, at this point there might be, but even after the first few weeks of practice, you're going to get a much better idea who that is. But at the same time, if you're not getting a lot of film out there, it's going to be tougher for those guys to get picked up on somebody else's 53, Correct. but it might be easier for the Steelers to get them onto their practice squad. So it's, it's give and take both ways. Um, you know, are you looking at from the, from the player trying, trying to get into the league? Um, but especially for some of these rookies, practice squad might be good, but if they're not going to have much other playing time. Yeah, it's going to be, th- th- this is a brave new world for, for professional sports in North America. And that's why this particular show, again, is a sugar-free Cool Whip show. <laughs> we are giving you a low-calorie guilty pleasure show. And I want to apologize to Wayman Johnson. He posted everything is not open last gym. Several restaurants, industrial and small shops are still closed. He is correct. There are some gyms that are still closed, but mostly everything is starting to open up in my area. I can go to the mall in my area. So once the mall I don't go open, to the mall anyway. <laughs> I don't go to the mall anyway, but you can go to the mall and get Froyo. So once you can get Froyo out, it's almost a sign that there's supposedly nothing going on. But let's jump into the topic at hand. The best all-time Steelers draft pick. Now, we're going to start from five to one. Now, there's no criteria for how you pick or put individuals on your list. This is just a guilty pleasure show. You can argue it any way you want. Value, era, position, stats. It could just be because you like their jersey number. It doesn't matter. It that makes me feel any, better. It could be any particular reason that you've put these five players. Now, I've asked, I think, five individuals, and I've got different number ones. I think you guys are going to be surprised at my number one overall pick. But it could be anybody. It could be anything. So I've asked several people. So I want to start with you, Dave. Okay. Who is... Your number five all-time best Steelers draft pick. Okay, I'm going to give the disclaimer to the whole list, and that is you could easily convince me to change my entire list by the time the show is over because this was difficult, and I don't have a ton of confidence in this. So I, I really narrowed it down to eight to then try to get to five, and that was that was <laughs> tough. That was tough. But what I went with is I put someone at number five because a lot, some of the things I was looking at, they were in the top of all these things. I, I went in, you know, did some research. You look up like the all pros, you look up the pro bowls, you look up uh, actually pro football reference has this thing that they just call, I think it's called average value AV. And they even have it for someone's <laughs> career. It's their own measurement. It's just a random number measurement. You have to go in and try to look up exactly how they put into it. But in other words, the, the higher the AV, the, the better they are. I took the highest AV guy for the Steelers that was drafted by the Steelers, and that's my number five. 
And the part of the reason I do that is because he had some of his career. He had six Pro Bowls, but one of them was not with the Steelers. My number five is Rod Woodson. Now leave it to you to look up an obscure stat. (laughs) That's why we love you. That's why you are the the stat geek, the oracle. You looked at a stat called AV. Yeah, it's it's honestly, it's a judgment call by pro football reference that they basically are giving grades to players per season if they had a good season. And then it builds from there. It's it's I can't back it up scientifically at all. It's just kind of taking someone else's opinion, if you know what I mean. Now, before I give you my number pick, the number five pick, excuse me, um, and I had to look up the word, the Spanish word for happy which I think is contento. Please correct me if you are in the live chat. So, Wayman, I am sorry, but there are no contento endings available for you in California. As of yet, you will have to wait a couple of weeks for that because he was upset that he could not get a massage. My number five overall top draft pick of all time for the Steelers, Mean Joe Green. I'm putting Mean Joe Green at number five. And people are going to say that's sacrilegious because (laughs) for most people, Mean Joe Green is the best stealer of all time. And for me, I think Mean Joe Green is the best stealer of all time. But when I think of draft picks, you have to attribute value to a pick. Mm -hmm. But when you think of the Pittsburgh Steelers, you think of six championships, You think of the steel curtain, and when you think of the steel curtain, not everybody thinks of the four defensive linemen. A lot of people think of the steel curtain, and they put one face as the picture of the curtain, and that's Joe Green. They think of the Coke commercial when Joe Green is beat up in a game in the locker room and a little kid gives him a (laughs) Coca-Cola. I know that's my image of Joe Green, and I have several Joe Green jerseys, so it was painful for me to put Joe Green at number five. Let me give you the top five. Let me give you number five from a couple other people. Friend of the program, Ian Whetstone, put Troy Palomalu at five. Mm -hmm. Chris Carter of DK Sports, friend of the program, put Big Ben at five. Nick Farabaugh put Terry Bradshaw at five, friend of the program as well. My dad, I got to throw Pops in here too. (laughs) Pops put Mike Webster at five so again this shows you the difficult the difficulty of coming up with this list because it's all over the place yeah. so let's jump to number four give all me right. your number four guy my number four guy was a guy that did not show up very high on that av stat at all he wasn't even in the top 10 you know <laughs> doesn't have the pro bowls that others do doesn't have the all pros that others do but when you're talking about someone that, that that really made a difference when they were drafted, especially when it was the only time, uh, well, it's the last time the Steelers ever drafted number one overall, you got to go with Terry Bradshaw being in the top five. So I have him at number four. You can't argue against Terry Bradshaw. I mean, four Super Bowls, the value of the quarterback position. I mean, as much as we all laud, the drafting of Joe Green, and many people cite that as the start and the cornerstone of the franchise. And that's when the franchise took the abrupt turn and became what we know as the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
the quarterback position is ultimately super important in terms of winning football games. And that's, and that's why I moved him up there. I'm like, he doesn't, it's hard for quarterback to be all pro and things like yes. that. So I'm like, that position was so important. It, that was a really important pick. So I, 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 I could go with you there for, I, I, mm -hmm. I could see that. Let me give you my number four. Okay. I'm going with Mike Webster. And the reason okay. I'm going with Mike Webster is because he was the 125th pick in the fifth round, the fourth Hall of Famer of the best draft class in history that included Lynn Swan, Stallworth, and Lambert, and arguably the best of those three. If you're a fifth rounder and you become a Hall of Famer, the value of your pick is astronomical. Now, on top of that, they won four Super Bowls with him as the anchor of that offensive line, ran the ball effectively, and the running game was the staple of those teams. And also, this is a franchise that has Dermani Dawson and Pouncey and Ray Mansfield, and he is arguably the best of all three of those centers. That's why I got to put Mike Webster at number four. I got you. Mike was the man. I mean, you know, Mike, you know, unfortunately, Mike, you know, his demise was very painful for yes. Steeler Nation to watch. But Mike's a well of a pick. Let me give you the number four from Ian Whetstone. He put Big Ben. I don't think you can argue with Big Ben. Chris of DK Sports put Troy Palomalu. Nobody can argue with Palomalu. And that's the beauty of this is all of these guys that everybody is picking. Yeah are very good, and most of these guys have gold jackets. You've Nick got like Farabaugh. 12 guys to choose from. <laughs> exactly. you got so you many really guys. Do. I mean, Nick Farabaugh said Webster. He agreed mm -hmm. with me. Excuse me, I left Bad out. Bad said Bradshaw at five. He put Woodson at four. So we had the same thing, just in the opposite order. as Bad. Yes. Guy. My dad had Big Ben at number four. Mm -hmm. Funny story with my dad. I remember, do you remember the game where Big Ben – um, they beat Dallas, um, his rookie season. I think he threw a late touchdown pass, maybe yep. in the corner of the end zone. I think it was a fourth quarter comeback. My dad called me within, you know, maybe about five minutes of the end of that game and says, son, we got one. <laughs> we, we got one. Yeah. We have our next guy. We've got one. Now, for my dad to give that guy, Ben Roethlisberger, the stamp after about three, two or three games, I was like, we must have one. Yeah. He, he was like, son, we've got one. Let's jump to number three. Give me yeah. your, your number three all-time best pick. Well, what's, what's interesting is now these we're getting all players that we've already talked about from somebody's list or another. My number three, I was really torn of where to go with three and four. And my number three, it goes back to the first draft I ever watched play out because there was a player that I wanted the Steelers to take and I wanted them to take him. I wanted them to trade up, you know, to, to, to get him and they didn't have to. And it changed the franchise at the time because the problem was they struggled so long without having a quarterback. And that is when they drafted one Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger out of Miami of Ohio. That's my number three. We agree. Yeah. We agree. Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger is my number three. I mean, you know, and it goes back to, and, and 
you know, you look at Ben Roethlisberger, of course, first round draft pick, number 13 pick in the draft. I believe he was picked after Eli. And who was the other quarterback drafted in front of him? And Phillip Rivers. And that was a, one of the best uh, classes of quarterbacks. I think all three of those guys will be in the Hall of Fame. Well, here's what's crazy about that draft, Lance. Both of the other teams, when it really came down to it, kind of wanted Roethlisberger more. Both the Giants and and the Chargers. You know, the Chargers took Eli Manning because they had the number one pick, and that was the consensus number one. But they really liked Roethlisberger. Then, you know, it, it was one of those things that it was like, well, do we do we want to take the small school guy? And it, it was almost like they liked him, but they needed to take the guys that everyone else said was these are the guys. So, I all I know is that the how different would the NFL be today if it, if the if those if that awful team up on the lake would have actually made the right pick and kept Ben in state rather than going with Kellen Winslow. So once they took Winslow, because I'm like, oh, the Steelers got to trade ahead of the Browns. Uh-uh. Once they took Winslow, I'm like, no one else needs him. He's coming to us. I'm just sitting back waiting. Just, just bring him. Just bring him. And so. thank you for the correction deal with it. Ben Roethlisberger was the 11th pick overall not the 13th pick just think of it right just think of it right we would be in a world where the new england patriots would have the most super bowl championships (laughs) can you imagine okay first of all patriot fans are absolutely obnoxious already can you imagine if patriot fan was the only team with six Super Bowls. Already can't stand the Patriots already. My brother's a Patriot fan. It the world is a better place yeah, that well, there's a tie. I mean, that it's a butterfly effect. The Steelers don't get Roethlisberger because he goes to the Browns. I mean, I mean, the world could have ended because of this Lance. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, there might not be an NFL, you know, because the Steelers don't have Roethlisberger. That's how big of a deal this is. Then that's why it's my number three. Um, we should have, mention Snowman here, $5 in the tip jar. He um, said, I'm How do you feel Dave, about that? I could change my list at least a dozen times. I, this is why this these shows are tailored like this, because they bring up a lot of discussion. And we're not talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars, man. Like, we have a lot of picks. There are a lot of great Steeler picks. And there's going to be a lot of guys that are never on the list. As I go through these names, and I go through all the other guys that I asked about their picks. We haven't said Jack Lambert once or Jack Ham. We haven't said Lambert or Ham or Blunt. Yeah. Like we haven't said those guys, right? Yep. So that's how many great players have been yeah. on. The, we haven't said LC Greenwood. Well, I mean, well, you know what? We'll talk about all these once we get to. I mean, so I mean, I mean, I mean that, that that's how difficult this is. How this exercise was. Um, and so we're we're just happy because it would be a pandemic if the Patriots had the most championships and the Steelers just had four. It would be a pandemic. I don't. I can't imagine COVID nineteen and the Patriots have the most championships alone. That would just be absolutely the apocalypse. So let me jump to number three. Or excuse me. Yes, actually number two. So we okay. did number three. Before we jump to your number three, Dave, let me give you the number three from the guys that we asked. Ian Whetstone said Mike Webster. It's a name that I came up with. Chris Carter came up with a name that has not been mentioned. John Stallworth. What do you think about Stallworth being 
in the top five of best overall draft picks? Uh, honestly, great pick, but you're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, we are spoiled as fans that we have this many options. You put John Stallworth, you know, on three quarters of any of the other franchises in the NFL, and he's definitely in the top five. I just, I don't know that I could go that far for him, but I don't want to say, cause I haven't said who my last two are yet, but that's, 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 that's interesting. Now, Nick Farabaugh said Mr. Third and Fifth, a.k.a. Gummy Richards. Antonio Do you realize Brown. the last time you and I were on a show together, just the two of us, that is when that nickname was born, Mr. Third and Fifth. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mr. Like Third and Fifth, Gummy <laughs> Richards. So let's go to my dad's number three pick, Rod Woodson. That name has come up, and, and nobody can disagree with how good Rod Woodson was. Um, in terms of bad, bad came up. His number three pick was Big Ben. Let's jump into number two. Give me your number two yeah. pick here. The yeah, number, that, the second best overall draft pick in the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right. Well, here's the thing with this. This is someone you've already talked about this person. This person I moved up more because of two different things. One, draft value. And two, games played for the Steelers. Right oh. now, number one all time, but there's a good chance he could be passed by one Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger coming up. But hmm. you got to go with Mike Webster. I mean, what okay. a steal to have such a player in the fifth round. In the fifth round. I mean, that's it was amazing pick. You probably didn't think anything of it at the time. I wouldn't know. I wasn't alive yet. You know. I know I, I I like looking back at old articles about that famous '74 draft that that uh, you know people were, were were ripping on it that the Steelers didn't have a very good draft. You know that's the problem with draft grades, right? When the draft is done, um, so that you didn't realize what you had. That is not a pick that you thought anything of. the The longer the time goes, even even since he's. Uh, retired and passed on, the more you appreciate that pick. And that's why I had to bump it all the way up to number two. Before I give you my number two pick, we have to give credit to Bill Nunn Sr. and his impact oh on the Steelers' ability to 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 be as good as they were uh, when they were drafting uh, small college uh, black ball players and so on and so forth. And just his contributions to uh, the draft and the Steelers' success in the 70s. And there's no doubt that Bill Nunn Sr. should be a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. And I also oh, want to absolutely. send um, you know, my condolences to the Nunn family, to Nunn Jr., because uh, Bill Nunn Jr. is a very close family friend uh, of my dad's, and so we knew the Nunns. And so, yeah, I hope that Bill Nunn Sr. gets his just due and becomes a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. If Gil Brandt is in the Hall of Fame, Bill Nunn Sr. should be in the Hall of Fame as well. Number two has to go with the golden boy, Terry Bradshaw. Number one pick overall, number one pick in the 1970 draft out of Louisiana Tech. I mean, what else can you say? The man won four Super Bowl championships. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't the Pittsburgh Steelers without Terry Bradshaw. Those picks of green on the defensive side of football and Terry Bradshaw, you don't make those two picks. You know, we're the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah.
there's no championships. And, you know, as important as Green was on the defensive side of football, none of this happens without Terry Bradshaw. You know, Terry Bradshaw was the gunslinger, one of the best arms of all time. Terry played big in big games. I mean, it was Terry Bradshaw. He couldn't sing. He was a bad country <laughs> singer, but he was a well of a quarterback. And if you were growing up in Pittsburgh at the time, you remember the relationship of him and JoJo Starbuck. It was the talk of the town, him and JoJo Starbuck. And he wanted to be a country singer. Glad he wasn't able to do that. We're glad as football fans, Steeler football fans, that he was able to slang that thing. So my number two <laughs> is Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw is the second best all-time draft pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And here's the thing. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dave. All of your picks are gold jacket mm -hmm. guys or will eventually be gold jacket guys, correct? Because the only one that's not is Roethlisberger, and he's going to be. And he's going to be a gold jacket guy. All of look my at all the guys, gold jacket, Look at all the gold jacket guys we had that we aren't even in the top five because they have so many. Yes. I mean, Joe Green, gold <laughs> jacket. Webster, gold jacket. Ben is going to be a gold jacket for me. Terry Bradshaw is going to have a gold jacket. That just a gold jacket. He has a gold jacket. You are absolutely correct. And that's why the Pittsburgh Steelers have six Super Bowls. A lot of people on the live chat, Wayman Johnson said Cam Hayward. That's an interesting one there. I, I, I don't know if Cam can crack the top five. John Trent said Casey Hampton. Uh, Steelers fan 74 said Joe Green. Snowman asked the question, did anybody say Lynn Swan? We're not and done yet, are we? We're not done yet. We're not done yet. We're not at number one. No one has said Lynn Swan yet. No one has said Lynn Swan yet. So, and that's why this is so tough. Let me jump into the number two pick from Ian Whetstone. He said Mel Blunt. And I didn't have Mel on my list. You didn't have Mel on your list. Not yet. Not yet. That's right. Well, I haven't seen the last one yet. So we don't and know. You could argue, you know, in terms of importance. You know, Mel Blunt changed football. Mm -hmm. They changed the way you covered because Absolutely. of Mel Blunt. You know, you might as well call it the Mel Blunt rule. And yeah. we all know the importance of cornerbacks, yes. right? The Mel Blunt rule. Chris Carter had Bradshaw at number two. He agreed with me. I mean, I think that's self-explanatory. Um, Nick Fairbaugh had Joe Green at number two. And, you know, Joe Green pretty much, I mean, I didn't put Joe at, at at one or two. I could have. I put Joe at five. Terry Bradshaw. My pops had Terry Bradshaw at number two. Bad had Jack Lambert at number two. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. Can a middle linebacker really be the second most valuable <laughs> best all time? I'm putting value in all. Can a can a middle linebacker? be your second best pick of all time. Maybe if you're the Ravens and you say Ray Lewis, but is Ray Lewis a better draft pick than Jonathan Ogden? I mean, can a middle linebacker be your second best draft pick of all time? Uh, I'm not saying it can't. I'm just saying if it is, at least he picked the right one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you could have that iconic guy. It's It's hard for me to judge all of these older ones, because I didn't, you know, I was born at the end of the seventies. I didn't get to see these players play. I just know what they meant to the franchise and to the history. So mine is more about that aspect than it was, you know, seeing them live on the field. Cause all I've ever seen is tape. 
right? Well, at least he didn't pick Kendrell Bell. That's true. <laughs> so I think yeah. you can. I think if you pick a Hall of Famer, you're safe instead of mm-hmm. picking Lav Kirkland. Although Levon Kirkland was a well of a player, he didn't mm-hmm. pick Lav Kirkland. He did not pick Kendrell Bell. Two quality players, and you're talking about a Kirkland is a you know that's another great player uh, that we're not mentioning, but maybe yeah. maybe we are mentioning because we have not gotten to our number one pick. So. Yeah. I'm going to count it down. I'm going to remind everybody. You're going to count it down? Well, we've thrown out so many names with everybody, they might have forget who everybody said. So they might not remember who's left. So mine's going to be obvious because of who hasn't said yet. Five was Rod Woodson. Four was Terry Bradshaw. Three was Ben Roethlisberger. Two was Mike Webster. And I went with number one as the pick that changed the franchise. Okay. Two-time defensive player of the year. Okay. Mean Joe Green. Okay. Nobody can argue with Mean Joe. No, because, I mean, if that's the player that changed everything, you know, that's when the change started to occur. You had Mean Joe on defense, then you got Bradshaw on offense, and boom, there they went. You know, they just started to build and build and build. And honestly, if if, if you – to most people, if you say Pittsburgh Steelers, one guy, there's a good chance they're going to say Mean Joe Green. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, absolutely. And and you know, the, the superlative to describe, you know, Mean Joe Green. I mean, they're just. I mean, you can run out of things to say. I mean, yeah. Mean Joe was just that guy. I mean, he's Mean Joe. I mean, it's like. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's Mean Joe. I mean, there are only two franchise retired numbers, and that's Ernie Stautner and Mean Joe Green. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. And we've talked about a zillion gold jacket guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about show enough gold jacket guys. I mean, guys that were certified ballers, right? Yeah. And their numbers aren't retired. So when Joe Green was drafted in 69, the Steelers did still go one in 13. They went from one in 13. Bradshaw was drafted. They went to five and nine. 71, they went to six and eight. And the big jump was in 72. So within a three-season period from the drafting of Joe Green and Terry Bradshaw, they became a playoff team in 73, the team that lost to the Dolphins. Then yeah. they went to 10 and 4, 10 and 3, 12 and 2, 10 and 4, 9 and 5, 14 and 2, 12 and 4. So post 72, they were off to the races. So between from 72 to 79, they won four championships. They won them in 74, 75. Then they won him in 78, 79. And that foundation was built and started with Joe Green. So yeah. Yeah. here's my question. Green one, I, there's no argument from me. Yeah. My question is this, and I don't we'll never know the answer to this. If the Steelers don't get, get Joe Green in 69 and still get Bradshaw, do they do they get the success that they get? Do they have more of that turnaround as they go without Joe Green? Even with Bradshaw, do they have that turnaround? I don't think so. And that's the whole reason I went Joe Green first because 
that those teams, not that they were weren't good on offense, but it was the defense. It was the defense that made the difference. I mean, they so, were so good defensively yeah. for almost a decade. I mean, they, they were just so good on defense. I mean, it was just, you know, you're talking about their defense. I mean, they had Hall of Famers at every level of their defense. You get, I mean, you're starting multiple Hall of Famers on your defense. I mean, you're starting a Hall of Fame corner. You're starting multiple Hall of Fame linebackers. You're starting a Hall of Fame defensive line and other guys that are almost equally as good as him. So they were dominant on that. You know, you got Andy Russell. I mean, you just you just got great guys. And nobody has said Jack Ham once. And nobody has yeah. said Jack Ham. And Ham is arguably their best linebacker in their history. You know, my dad will argue you till the cows come home that Ham is better than Lamb. I that's that's a tough one. I they were both my honorable mentions. They were the two guys, honestly, numbers wise, they would have been on the list ahead of Roethlisberger and Bradshaw if you want to go by by the average value and the Pro Bowls and the All Pros. But you have to wait that quarterback position, and that's what bumped those, those two guys off my list. Now let me go through my top. Yeah, five I was say. Oh, I can can I say one thing to you, yeah. Lance? You know why the Steelers only won one game, uh, Joe Green's rookie year? 72. He was number 72 his rookie <laughs> year. It okay. wasn't until he became 75 that it really made the difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he so, wasn't really Joe Green. He, he was wasn't Joe. Uh, that wasn't the real Joe Green. <laughs> he was Joe Blue. <laughs> Joe Oppen. All right. Let's Let me give you my five. top five. Let me give you my top five. Let me re recap it. Number five, I had Joe Green. Number four, Mike Webster. Number three, Ben Roethlisberger. Number two, Terry Bradshaw. And number one, I have Mr. Third and Fifth himself, oh. Antonio Brown. <laughs> Mr. Gummy oh. Richards is my best all-time draft pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And here's the reason why. I know what you're going to say why, and I can understand it. You're talking about a franchise that has Stallworth and Swan and Heinz Ward. I will argue to you that Antonio Brown is better than all three of them. Antonio Brown's five-year stretch is arguably the greatest five-year stretch in the history of the National Football League. You wrap that with the fact that He's a sixth-round draft pick from Central Michigan. And the value and the production is absolutely off the charts. You know, you put all that together, and I know he's crazy. <laughs> I I mean, he throws furniture off of balconies. Um, he throws gummy Richards at his baby mama's house. You know, when the cops are coming, he's absolutely insane. But Antonio Brown is the best wide receiver of the Pittsburgh Steelers as a sixth-round draft pick. He's better than Ward. Well, He's better than Swan. He's better than Stallworth. And had he not been absolutely bat-ass crazy, <laughs> hence the name Mr. Gummy Richards, <laughs> Mr. Third and Fifth, he would absolutely have a gold jacket, but he crazied himself out of Pittsburgh 
But in terms of value, production, and dominance as a player, Mr. Third and Fifth, Antonio Brown, is the best overall draft pick in Steelers history. Here's the th- reason I say that I, I completely get your point. And that is, if you were talking about value, I could ex- I could totally see that. Because you say he's a six-round pick. Well, you talk about you know six-round picks back in the 70s. That was different. He was 195th overall. Yes. 195th overall. So you're, I mean, he is, in my opinion, arguably with Mike Webster, the best value pick that the Steelers ever had in the draft. So the question is, if you were, if you weigh value a lot, then I understand why you put him up there. You're it's funny. Our list until you said him was the inverse of each other. My one was your five. My two was your four, you know, the whole way down until you said that one. So that that's all about your criteria. That's what it comes down right. to. If you're talking right. about value. I can understand that. If you're just talking about, you know, like someone said, no ring. Well, Rod Woodson, I had him at number five, and he didn't have a ring with the Steelers either. So yes. it, it it it's all in what you're looking at. It, it really is. Because if you're going to weigh that immense value, it's crazy. Now, here's the question. Do you realize that the Steelers um, got that draft pick via trade? That wasn't their original draft pick. They got, who was it? Was it Brian McFadden coming back to the Steelers? Oh, okay. They got him and they got that draft pick. Um, they got it from the Arizona Cardinals who traded up. And and in that draft pick, they selected John Skelton, quarterback. <laughs> so <laughs> that was the, that was so the Steelers traded back, got McFadden back. I'm pretty sure it was McFadden. Someone will tell me if I'm wrong. Um, and then and then still got uh who was the arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL in a five-year stretch there before he went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Now let me give you now, this is based on, I'm looking at the NFL value chart, and this is based on the 2006 draft. I know it's a long time ago, but I think the number that I'm going to give you just reflects in terms of value where Antonio Brown was. And in the 06 draft, the 195th pick was the third pick of the top of the seventh round. And that's yeah. probably, it probably got pushed back due to compensatory picks or mm-hmm. whatever. But that value pick, so the number one pick overall in the draft that year was worth 3,000 points. Mm-hmm. The 195th pick is worth 14.4 points. That sounds about right. <laughs> 14 points. So that basically mm-hmm. says there is no value mm-hmm. to a sixth-round pick. They're not even guaranteed to make the team. They're not even guaranteed to make the team. Yeah. That's why the best overall draft pick, and I hate to say this, mm-hmm. The best overall draft pick in terms of value of all time mm-hmm. is that guy that used to play up north mm-hmm. in New England, Tom Brady. Who's yeah. Oh, now, yeah. He's the best overall draft pick of all time in the mm-hmm. National Football League. Given what he's accomplished, he is arguably the GOAT player, six Super Bowl championships. What they've won, they've gone to like 30 Super Bowls <laughs> since he's been playing. And he's going to get his head beaten by Bruce Arians. He's too old <laughs> to play in that system. But let me jump into before we jump into the Super say, what, what, what do you think of this comment, real quick? That he said he said about Antonio Brown. This is from Sean. He said he may have been the best talent of all time, but he's but they don't doesn't think he's the best player. 
Do you understand what they're saying there? Talent is talent is one of those amorphous things. Yeah. Like yeah. it kind of means difference to you know. I, I it, it's hard to yeah. say. It, it's one of those that's things. A tough one. That that's a tough one. Let me give you my. That's why it's your list. <laughs> let me give you. Let me give you Ian's number one overall. Ian Whetstone, friend of the program. Can, can you can you count them down for him real quick? So he had Troy, Big Ben, Webster, Blunt, and A. B. He had AB number one. He had AB number one. He Chris didn't even Carter. have Joe Green in the top five. I'm Ian, my goodness. <laughs> he had Chris uh. Carter had Big Ben, Troy Palomalu, Stallworth, Bradshaw, Joe Green. Joe Green. Nick Farabaugh had Bradshaw, Webster, Brown, Green, and Big Ben. Oh, Big ben. I don't know if I could put Big He's Ben. He's a young guy. Big, He's big a ben young guy. I don't know if I could put Big Ben number one. My pops had Webster. Big Ben, Woodson, Bradshaw, and Joe Green. Joe Green. And Bad had a controversial, Bad meaning Brian Anthony Davis. Who's Bad? He had Bradshaw, Woodson, Big Ben Lambert, and Franco Harris as his My best problem. overall draft pick of all time. Franco was another guy on my radar. Franco was on my radar. Palomalu was on my radar. Um, Dermani Dawson was on my radar. Alan Fanica was on my radar. You know, of of all the all those guys there because of some of the numbers and, and great things they did. You just gotta to me, you went with value, and I understand you went with value. It's funny, like like my brother said in there, he said, Lance, your list was great. <laughs> you got to number one. You know, I, I didn't expect that for you for number one. And if you're thinking value, yes, you keep throwing that out there. I think of of um I'm going to make up a word. Legendariness. How legendary are they? Makes sense that's, to me. That's my. That's what I did with the top five, and uh, so it, it's all in how you're thinking. It's all in how you're thinking. But I think the overall consensus: more people put Joe Green at number one than anyone else. Than anyone else. Yes. Right? Yes. Absolutely. And bad doesn't even have him on the list. Bad. What are you thinking? Yeah, I don't. I mean, that's a bad list. Can we well, just say if, if Joe Green's not on your top five, that's a bad list. I want to kick bad a little bit. Is that well, on your bad list? Is that a bad <laughs> list? No Joe Green. You know, because, I mean, Franco was great. But the thing is, with the Steelers, and, yeah, you know, you had the immaculate reception. You changed so much stuff uh, with, with the Steelers. But would do you think the Steelers still would have been okay without Franco? I think so. I mean, but Franco's in the airport, though. I yeah, mean, when I, you go yeah. to the man mover, when you go to Pittsburgh and you go to the man mover, I mean, you're seeing Franco in Immaculate Reception. I mean, I mean, if you say Franco, Bradshaw, and Joe Green, who is the, I mean, value over replacement. You know, we talk about that as, a, as something all the time. They're like, how valuable are you over what it would be to replace you on, on the field? That's why I didn't want the Steelers to, to overpay for Le'Veon Bell because I didn't see his value over replacement at the time. I'm going to say yes. at the time. Yes. Okay, because yes. we're still trying to figure that out, um, right? So, and 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 that's that's the big thing is, I think out of those three, no disrespect to Franco, I think he was the most replaceable of those three yes, players. I would agree, and and see, this is tough because Sean Manahan said my my criteria had to have a gold jacket and at least one Super Bowl championship. I mean, I I can't knock that. I mean, I, no, I, I, and, I can't knock that. And and the thing is, 
like my, I was kind of torn with Rod Woodson. The only reason I went with Rod Woodson, he was the number one guy with this AV stat. And I'm like, he doesn't have a Super Bowl with the Steelers, but he does have a Super Bowl at least. So that was, that's why I was torn. If I was, you really want to know why I went with, I'll be honest with you, I went with Rod Woodson at number five because I couldn't decide between him and Lambert. I couldn't. Yeah. And, you, and, you, <laughs> and, 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 and rightfully so, you erred on the guy that you actually watched, yeah. which makes sense. And like mm-hmm. John Trent said, John Trent mm-hmm. kicked me and knocked me, and I accepted. He said, you can have all the production you want, but did you win? What did all that production get, A.B.? Nothing. Wow. You leave so many greats off the list at number one because of value. Wow. Not just value, but also because he was a very he was good really good. Player. He was a great player. Yeah. He's the best wide receiver in the organization's history, and you've got multiple Hall of Famers at the position, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, A.B. was a dominant player. You know, revisionist history, <laughs> because of all the, you know, antics, mm-hmm. you might forget that, but he was great. So in terms of value picks, so I asked my dad. So my dad gave me a couple of different categories. He cited Donnie Shell, and we talked about this before the oh, program, man. as the best undrafted selection for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Absolutely. Donnie Shell, everybody else. I mean, they've had some really good ones. And like you and I were talking right before we came on the air, I don't really count James Harrison because he wasn't picked up as that undrafted free agent by right. the Steelers initially. Right. Other people might count him, and I'm okay with that. But personally, I know he's he, he was really good with that category. But, I mean, come on. Donnie Shell was the standard of an undrafted free agent. And that's when they had 12 rounds back then, Torpedo. and he didn't get drafted. Value picks, my dad, along with A.B., he listed A.B. as his number one most valuable pick if you're looking at value. His I'd, number, I'd still go Webster, but his number right two, I'm going to give you his number two on that list uh-huh. because he didn't put Webster as – he had Webster in his top five. Yeah, overall. he didn't – He had Webster at five. So he put A.B. at one. Who do you think was his number two pick? It's a linebacker. Value? My goodness. Drafted by the Steelers? Well, I – I mean, I think of Vince Williams is the sixth round pick, but I don't think that's it. No, um, it's not, it's no. Not um, <laughs> where was where was? No, I'm just no. I'm trying to think of someone who was drafted low. Um, I, I really can't think of it. Avoid I was, Lloyd. Well, I was going to say Lloyd, but I couldn't remember how high he was drafted. I believe he was drafted in the sixth round. Greg Lloyd. Yeah, I was thinking he was more like a third round guy. Avoid so, Lloyd, and that just yeah. shows you how many great players the Steelers have. I had a great time doing this show. Is there anything before we get out of here, Dave, you want to tease for uh, the rest of the week? Well, w- well, first of all, let's say retrospect. If you haven't gone to our YouTube channel and checked it out, we had the exclusive interview with Chris Wormley Monday night that uh, Michael Beck, that's the new deputy editor uh, of Behind the Steel Curtain, who you'll be able to see on the podcast uh, tomorrow night, he'll be on the preview with Brian and myself. You might see him pretty soon on here with Lance as well. He's part of the rotation as we try to figure this stuff out. Um, but he he was the one who reached out and, and was able to, job, to land that job. interview. And it was that. So if you haven't checked that out, you've got to go back and, and check that out. Tomorrow night, we've got the preview. Lance is ready for, yeah, I said it on Friday. Yeah, it's going to be a doozy. It's yeah, going to be a yeah, doozy. We've, we've got Tony's brunch with you know Steelers brunch with Tony on Saturday 
you and bad on Sunday, Homer and hater. I re- I'm really enjoying that with, with, with bad as the Homer and you as the hater. That's a good one. And, um, Brian and Tony on Mondays and, uh, with the Q and a, and my brother, Rich and I on stat geek on Tuesdays. And if we happen to land any other special guests, those will probably most likely be bonus shows, just an extra show thrown in, or it could even be in place of a show for a week. Like if something happens where, where there's a player that could come on, he, you know, it might be on in place of the preview or something like that. So we'll, we'll just kind of see how it rolls. We're, we're kind of open and ready to, I mean, the, the Wormley thing happened pretty fast. It was like a 24 hour thing. So, um, and that's the thing with interviews, you gotta be really flexible because, yep, you're operating on their time and kind of like whenever they want to do the interview, you just have to be available to do the interview. I think Mike did a great job in getting that interview again, like Dave said, make sure you guys check out that interview. But with that, we are going to go ahead and get out of here. I hope you like the sugar-free cool whip show, (laughs) the low calorie guilty pleasure show, because this is the type of shows we need in the summer. And I hope it just strikes some conversation from you when you're talking to Steeler fans. You guys can create your top five lists. In fact, when the show is posted up on the website, make sure you go to the website and post your top five lists. And maybe we'll jump into and revisit it and look at some of you guys' top five lists because this is a great conversation piece. But with that, we're going to go ahead and conclude the show. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.